0: Welcome to The Mental Collective. This week, we are talking about autism and autism spectrum disorder. I'm joined by Jacqueline Coleman, who will be talking with me about her experiences with autism and parenting a child with autism. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for joining us today. So uh, the topic this week is going to be autism uh, or autism spectrum disorder. And I know that you have some direct experience with autism um, with your son. So my first question would be, uh, what is autism?
1: That is a very loaded question.
0: Um, I guess I could give the technical definition for those people that are listening that may not know what autism is. So autism or autism spectrum disorder refers to a broad range of conditions characterized by uh, challenges with social skills, repetitive behaviors, uh, speech, and nonverbal communication. I know that according to the, the Centers for Disease Control, um, autism affects an estimated, I believe, one in fifty-four children in the United States today. And Jackie, your child is one in fifty-four. Absolutely. So, tell us a little bit about your son um, and his autism disorder.
1: Okay. Um, well, my son is four years old. Um, we, he was diagnosed with autism at about... We suspected from about when he turned two um, because he, first of all, hadn't uttered a word, um, but he could memorize lyrics and tunes and anything musical. He just seemed to pick up like it was nothing. His memory was amazing. He said, hi, mama. He hadn't said bottle, he hadn't said hi or bye, Um, but he could repeat to something. He wasn't really understandable um, just because he was so young still, but he hadn't said a word and he would play quietly and just be alone. Um, And we had some experience with um, a friend's child who was the exact same age, only six weeks younger or so. And almost speaking in full sentences um, at the exact same age. And so we figured something might be going on that's keeping him from talking to us. Um, and so it, it wasn't until a pediatrician visit when, and this probably was his third appointment when he was about two and a half, two and a quarter, when his doctor immediately was trying to say hi to him. And so they're just, hi, Jay, hi, and they're waving loudly in his space. Um, kind of just ignored him and was paying attention to the stickers on the wall and just enamored with them. And so the doctor asked, do you want to give him a screen for autism? Yes, immediately just wanted to to pursue that because we've been suspecting it for a while. About what age
0: um, or what was your first inclination suspected autism? Did you have an understanding of what autism was before?
1: Um, not as good an understanding as I probably would have now when I'm still no expert and everyone's experience with autism is so different um and a lot of the stereotypes about autism don't affect every kiddo so I still have a lot to learn I'm sure and at that point I definitely all I knew was oh they don't talk and they don't make eye contact and um they don't like people and like that's not at all especially in our situation um and he had no problem with eye contact either so it was just it was kind of a mess because he just hadn't talked and he was interested in kids his own age so we were pretty positive he had autism but at the same time he didn't fit the criteria of what society said autism looked like we had a lot to learn
0: how how hard was it to get him tested i mean find that, you know, getting the diagnosis was easy. Um, You mentioned it was about, when he was about two and a quarter. So, I mean, did you have to go into the doc, like what doors did you have to knock on to like get this diagnosis?
1: Interesting because I've, I'm in a lot of um, autism mamas groups online that are people that are all over the place, California, Washington, Florida, even. And this is different, but a common one is that everyone has a hard time getting a diagnosis. And given that I was in a small town at the time, I'm surprised at how it was. Um, So we were at this smaller clinic and that's where the pediatrician told us, oh, do you want to get him evaluated? And they had a developmental pediatrician that could diagnose autism, but it wasn't a, they call it the big diagnosis, which has to be done by a, I guess, experienced pediatrician. I don't know. Um. I don't know if I'm allowed to say like where we're from and all that. So, but (laughs) Um,
0: yeah, you can, if you'd like.
1: Okay, cool. So we were in Washington um, in this small town in Washington, they could give us a diagnosis, but we had to go to OHSU. The major diagnosis and that's the diagnosis that he can get access to SSI to more services other than just ABA and occupational therapy. So the diagnosis we got with the small clinic took about three months to get, um, that we were able to get him started on early intervention and um, an IEP for speech and OT. And then it was, I think, I wanna say it was six to eight months later that we got him his OHSU diagnosis. And that was fast-tracked, I feel like because um, and they started doing everything over the phone and over videos. So instead of the year to year and a half waitlist we were given, or that we were told we were going to have, it went a little faster because they could do everything over the computer instead of having to come in. Okay.
0: And for those listening who don't know um, what OHSU is, that's Oregon Health and Science University. It's a hospital in um, Oregon, in the Portland, Oregon area. And it's a public research university that's dedicated to health sciences. They have two uh, hospitals on their campus and has some, um, they lead, I think, in some world studies when it comes to research, health care, education. And um, so they are excellent in the care that they provide. And it's not uncommon that uh, an individual, especially a child would go there to get a confirmed diagnosis. So as you navigate this life, a child with autism, what are some barriers, you know, that you've seen, you mentioned OT and all the other different things that you have to do. So what does that do in terms of stability for your child? Because, you know, a part of autism is having a routine and, you know, having something concrete.
1: Um, so that it is, it's difficult. Um, and I can say as a mom dealing with this a routine, I'm glad you mentioned that because routine is so important. We need it to be strict in some senses. And then at the same time we need it to not be strict, which, what only really makes sense I feel like to another mama who is deep because if your child's day to day is exactly the same every single day that might make for it to be more manageable to handle your kiddo without and anything like that but at the same time if they get used to that strict routine and there's ever a deviation in it if there's ever a doctor's appointment or something they don't expect can be all hell breaking loose and so with us, we try to keep as loose a routine as possible. Um, and sometimes, um, but also, we moved this year and he was three and a half or so when we moved, and so his routine was completely whereas it was really, really rigid and it was pretty hard for him. Um, so keeping as much stuff you consistent as possible, like the date, the type, the providers you're using, um. It's pretty key to helping, um, but we're pretty loose when providers are not involved. So it's too rigid with how things um, need to be because every day being exactly the same is pretty darn hard. Um, Even
0: for a non-autistic person.
1: Right, and so, and especially with um, all the providers, there's a high turnover with um, people that work with this population of kiddos, mental health. A lot of these people are underpaid and overworked and so they change providers often because people don't stay in their jobs and that makes
0: it how does that impact your you and your son um greason when it comes to the changing providers do you notice a setback in his behaviors do you have to like take a readjustment period what does it look like
1: oh absolutely especially with aba ABA is very very controversial in the autism community and i want to recognize that for anyone that might um here listening um for us he was ABA, um because he's still very young and he enjoys his aba uh more than he likes playing with me that's for sure um but whenever this it move on it's basically as if they have to start over completely with whatever the last providers were working on because they have to go back to building rapport and specifically and for a lot of autistic kiddos building rapport that building rapport phase goes back to they kind of get whatever they want um in the interest of provider for about a week and then after they've built that rapport then this provider starts putting demands on them in a sense to try and get them to learn new things learn to communicate and in grayson's case who he didn't have any functional communication right when he started aba it was pretty hard and it led to more than when we started.
0: When you say functional communication, what does that mean?
1: Um, so legally at the time he was considered nonverbal because anything that he spoke wasn't useful. And um, his diagnosis was, or his his OHSU diagnosis was when he was three. It was three, it's his first diagnosis um, was when he was two and a half still in February and his birthday's in July. Um, so when he got his OHSU diagnosis, he was considered nonverbal um, because he had many words at that point, but none of them were used. So it wasn't mommy, I'm hungry. It was, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of an example. If he was able to recite a song um, like perfectly, um, but the question, he would recite a song back to you that has nothing to do with what you were talking about. And so legally that was considered nonverbal because it wasn't functional able to get his needs met or answer a question to get his needs met with his own words.
0: So it was more of a was it a non-verbal kind of like, um, was he screaming? Was he like throwing his arms? Like how was he how was he indicating how how was he getting his needs met?
1: By me constantly being hyper aware of um, what he might need or um I'm very fortunate that I'm able to stay home with him because I've learned his language so to speak so he doesn't ask I'm hungry but he will start hanging off of you if he sees you have a drink or um, he eats kind of around the same time every single day so opportunity to get hungry um, because yeah. if you let him get hungry or get too thirsty he just gets really dysregulated and that's when the screaming. starts the whining and the throwing himself all over the place in frustration because he can't communicate to you what he wants or needs.
0: So he can't say I would like something to drink or I want something to drink. Right. I see.
1: Exactly.
0: So you mentioned earlier um a meltdown. So what does a meltdown look like for Grayson?
1: Oh man for, for Grayson it looks like crying, a lot of kicking. Um, thankfully he's not aggressive toward us. Um, but he will kick in place, he'll scream, he'll pull at his own hair. Um, it, it's really mostly crying. Um, I know it for a lot of other kiddos that can really, really hurt themselves. Um, for us, we kind of just sit and try to take deep breaths and model the behavior we want him to, like, I will listen to you when you calm down. Um, and sometimes he will just repeat exactly what we're saying. Um, he has echolalia, which means very he hears verbatim, says he Grayson, "I will talk to you when you calm down." And he'll repeat, "When you calm down," like really, really upset. And it's a while to to really get calm enough to okay. Do you want drink? And he'll repeat, "Drink."
0: And is that an indication that that's what he wants when he repeats like the end of a phrase or a word?
1: At this point, where he is at four, absolutely. But when he was <laughs> three and a half. No matter what you said, he said Grayson, do you want to eat poop? He would repeat, want to eat poop, and it, it was very hard to understand what he wanted because what you said, no matter what it was, and giving him a choice for do you want juice or chocolate milk? He would say chocolate milk because it's the last thing you said. If you switched it up to do you want chocolate milk or juice? He would say juice. Um, and then he didn't point either. Sorry, um, he didn't point either, and so trying to get. him when he wanted he would just grab at both and end up spilling and then that was a whole other mess because he's upset that he spilled it and we're right back in the middle it's like a circle yeah
0: so i, I want to touch back on um you had ma- made a comment about aba and how controversial it is and so for people who don't know what aba is um I can give you the technical, mental health, behavioral health definition of ABA. Um, I don't do ABA therapy, you have to be specifically trained in ABA and and the analysis and therapy part of it, Uh, not my medium that I use. um, But ABA is a type of therapy that can improve social communication and learning skills. Through reinforcement strategies, but many experts consider ABA to be the gold standard treatment for children with autism, autism spectrum disorder, or other developmental conditions. Um, Jackie, you mentioned that you know ABA can be controversial. Can you talk a little bit about why ABA can be controversial, or if there's any like um, negative feedback that you've received for having your child in ABA?
1: Um, Sure. Um, Totally stop me if I get out of hand, because there's there's a lot when it comes to ABA. Um, So I'm not an autistic adult, so I cannot really speak for autistic adults um, directly, but I can experience maybe 75 percent of the autistic adults that I have spoken with over time. all do not approve of ABA and they call it abusive and etc like maybe long before, was it would stop people's stimming behaviors, which might be arm flapping or skin picking. That's not considered normal to society. ABA would aim to stop those behaviors to make them look and appear normal to society. Maybe it's to avoid being, maybe it's just so that they think they can function better in the job, etc. In our experience in ABA now, that does not happen. They don't work on his stimming behavior. They don't try to stop behavior that he, his sensory seeking behavior, none of that is tried to, they don't try to stop that. So I understand how that can be seen as abusive, but our experience is not like that. And I'm, I understand why some people find it abusive, if that's their experience. Um, So where was I That autistic adults find it abusive. Some parents feel like anytime that ABA is trying to teach them things that are not easy for them, that we should not tr- not even try because oh that's hard for them. So don't even try to teach it to them. They they just live in that way. And everyone's entitled to their own opinion, um, obviously. But I feel like in cer- in a certain sense, teaching kiddos at this age, we're, we're teaching them everything at this age anyway. And so everyone's gonna struggle with something at some point. It just so happens that our kiddos struggle with. So- Um, And so some of it seems force, forcible, or like we're forcing our kiddos to do some of the things in ABA in the interest of like helping them learn how to do it. And I'm, I don't even know if I'm, um, it's, it's hard to explain because when kids are this young, they're so impressionable. I think it's really just up to a parent's discretion, whether or not they want their kiddo to learn things that are going to be hard for them just because of something different than um, someone who's not autistic.
0: So when Grayson is is in ABA, um, is that like in your home, do you take them to a place? Do you sit in on those
1: ABA sessions? Yes. Yeah, so our personal preference with ABA, because of its bad reputation, um, our preference, in-home because I am a stay-at-home parent and I can watch what's going on at all times. Um, when we chose our ABA provider, we had a choice between five or six providers. I had to call these providers to find out, hi, are you going to work on his swimming behaviors even if I tell you that that's not working on? And four the four that I called said that, yes, we would still work on that even if you didn't want to because it's in the best interest of your child. And those people were not chosen because didn't, or I didn't agree with that. Um, And so I chose a provider that said, no, you as the parents are like, essentially you have a on with your child. And if that's not a behavior you want um, to work on stopping, we're not going to work on it. And so I chose a provider that chose not to work on the stimming if I want to work on that. And instead they're social, uh, they're focusing on things that he really does need help with like social communication and social interaction. Being able to communicate with us what he wants and needs, like mommy, I'm thirsty. Things that he struggles with, like big and small, um, things that change often. Um, He doesn't have trouble with things that um, are always the same, like one plus one will always equal two. He doesn't have that the alphabet is always A through Z, but he has more difficulty with things like big and small because a computer mouse is big compared to a rice kernel but a big bookshelf is also big compared to a box of Kleenex, uh, for example. So they work on things that we want to work on that you struggle with and not things that society might necessarily want um, autistic kiddos to work on.
0: Okay, have you seen improvements uh, since starting ABA or, the, or OT, you mentioned OT, which I'm assuming is occupational therapy?
1: Yes. Um, so improvements working with ABA if nothing or if nothing else at first it just gets him used to dealing with someone other than mommy and daddy um and it's not necessarily a quarantine kiddo but his once he was two two and a half it was when COVID had happened and so there's not a lot of opportunity to social with other kiddos and other people and so just having providers be able to come into the home and he has to get used to this is an adult and we listen to adults Because we're we're learning how to be safe and et cetera, so it was helpful in that sense that there was more than just me and Daddy in his life, Mm -hmm. and he had to get used to providers just because of the schedule we needed for his occupational therapy, um, et cetera. Um, He knows they were occupational stuff as well, and so now he's he knows what next to and above and below and what those things mean, um, as well as can take turns when playing a game. Whereas when he started at maybe three, three and a half, he was not there at all. He would just, <laughs> everything is, and he was hitting and throwing fits over. A no, he doesn't want to share. Um, he still doesn't share for the record. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. And then occupational therapy, they work on things like low muscle tone um, and jumping and holding and there's a lot of things um, occupational therapy wise that he still struggles with a lot because it has not been consistent Um, and that's a lack of just all around you can touch more if you want but as far as ABA goes um, he's been in ABA for over and I think it's helpful if for nothing else other than mom gets a break too like I could watch them on a video monitor and take a shower (laughs) right and so what about um
0: support in terms of like it's not only for his care team but for the family as well so do you feel like you have a good support system for him like how do you have other friends uh, or other professionals that you know that also have um children with autism like what are what's your support network look like
1: um it could be better Like I said, I do have those Autism Mamas groups on Facebook, but sometimes they can be more triggering than not just because some of the parents in those groups are all autistic adults who have autistic children. And so when you go on there for support saying, oh, does anyone ever deal with this? And you want to rant about your kiddo, but you can't be attacked. Um, And I've definitely been attacked um, um, by people who say ADA is abusive. And it's just, if you're immediately shut down. So the support online, could be. Um, I don't have friends with autistic kiddos. I have, I've made one friend, um, but it's kind of an online friend. They live in a different town. Um, that and it they- counts. I mean, I guess, I guess it counts. Um, I have friends that live out of town, but they're childless at the time or at the moment. Uh, and so, I mean, I feel like I have friends, I have support reach out to for support as a parent um or as a person um but parenting support's just a little different when you have parents who understand a little bit different and i don't necessarily have other autism mama friends but friends and family is nice too it just depends i'm a little bit of a hermit so i'm okay not having too many (laughs) so then what about with grayson um
0: you know, you mentioned, you know, you kind of this whole um, time we've been together, you've talked about some of his functioning um, and how he kind of interacts with the world around him. But what is his level of functioning um, in terms of like education, in terms of we talked about communication, but where is he at on the education level?
1: Um, so this is where Grayson is pretty unique um, and I would say remarkable. I'm biased, but um autistic kid all autistic kiddos are brilliant in their own way. Let me just say that first of all. Um especially when you take the time to understand kiddo, like communicates and what they love. Uh autistic kiddos are known for being spectacular with knowing knowledge about their dinosaurs or countries or the Guinness Book of World Records, like anything that they is something that sparks an autistic kiddo's interest, they can become an absolute genius and you can learn absolutely everything from them. Um, I've learned so much from my kiddos. So um, my son, at this point, he's not comfortable anymore because he's gained a lot of functional communication through speech and ABA and us working with him. And right now, educationally and academically, and he's doing first grade curriculum right now. Um, wow. Flying through it. It's, it's not hard for him at all, it seems. Impresses us every single day with how smart he is. Um we we suspect he may have um savant syndrome. In- oh gosh, I don't have a definition for that either. But yeah, it's like a photographic memory. Um, and this is something he's since he was only two, uh, 18 months and two years old. He knew the ABCs when he was only 18 months old. Um, and just these things that I mentioned don't change things that are always the same. He has zero struggles with, and he actually excels at them a lot. So for example, he knows the world. He knows all everyone, of, every single one. Wow. Um, uh, he, he knows all the capitals of the fifty United States. Um, uh, gosh, he can read fluently um, at probably a second or third grade level at this point. Words by sight and being able to uh, sound some of them out. Um, gosh, so so he still won't say, but he will read me. a Gosh, I'm trying to think of a book that's harder than a very hungry caterpillar. <laughs> Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, something. But he could read me a second grade book, no problem. But he won't tell me, "Mommy, I'm thirsty" or "Mommy, I'm hungry." So it's just He's, he's and very frustrating at the same time.
0: Have you ever gotten a confirmed diagnosis of Savant syndrome? And for those who um, are listening, Savant, who don't know what Savant syndrome is, Savant syndrome is a rare condition um, with a, in which a person who has significant mental disabilities demonstrates certain abilities that are far in excess of average. And so essentially this individual will excel at things that are related to memory um, that can include like uh amazing math skills rapid calculation artistic um ability map making musical ability um uh, and all of those And so you kind of touched on that and said that you believe that he may have that have you gotten a confirmed diagnosis of that or looked into that so as far as
1: from his doctors and his providers alike in washington and in california there is no definitive diagnosis for savant syndrome i don't know if that's true but that's what i've been told but I, his pediatrician has said, oh, he definitely has Savant syndrome. His, he has a photographic memory, if nothing else. Um, and he and his speech teachers have both said the same thing. Have you looked into Savant syndrome? And I told him I've looked into it, but I don't look, I haven't found anywhere that will give him a diagnosis, something that they suspect. And the doctor will tell you if they think he has it or not. I need to do more research. Important to me to get a label like really a diagnosis on it if it's not going to happen, but it would just be interesting to know. So, so far, I've not seen anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Savant Syndrome is is estimated to affect about one in a million people. And among those with autism, one in 10 to one in 200 have Savant Syndrome to some degree.
1: That's even
0: though, yeah, statistics. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, sounds to me like that's. Uh, pretty awesome
1: we're very proud of him much most adults don't know all of the countries let alone some countries. I
0: don't for sure
1: <laughs> so when you talk about how you know he
0: excels at um, uh, subjects is there any particular subject in school that he excels at the most how I guess I'm wondering about like math because math I would like to say that it's not it doesn't change but it does change, especially with this new wave of math. We won't get on that tangent. So how does he do with like math and numbers? Um he
1: loved math and numbers. So he he preferred math and numbers over reading for a while. Actually, lately he's been into phonics um more, but he memorizing skip counting a year ago. And he's four years, four months old. Yeah, just after he turned three, he picked up skip counting up to 12, up until times 12. So um, mm-hmm. 8, 16, 24, 32, 40, 48, 56, 64, 72. I only knew it up to, it was a song set to Frosty the Snowman, and I knew 8, 16, 24, all the way up to 72. 72, 80, 88, um, 96, 100, so I'm probably wrong, but he continued, and I'm like, who are you right now? <laughs> like I can't do this in my head. I would need to like write it down. And he continued it for every single number. And he just and is this
0: because he's actually doing
1: the math in his head? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, and it, it was incredible. It's like, wow, you, how are you doing this? I have zero math brain, zero. You get it from me because I cannot, I cannot do math to save my life. But he can add, he can subtract, and he's multiplying already.
0: And when it comes to interaction with other um, adults and children, what does that look like?
1: Um, If they show any interest in what he's interested in, he stims happily um, and he will just repeat what he wants to say over and over again. Right now, countries of the world is his entire life. They had a little birthday party for him yesterday with his family, um, but we had maps all over the house and he was just so excited to go to every single map and point out everything. And everyone was asking him, hey, Grayson, Grayson is the Democratic Republic of Congo. And he would point in Africa. And he'd point to it. The capital's Kinshasa. And like he was so excited that everyone seemed interested in what he was interested in. Um, but at the exact same time, we had one person that um, was trying to get him to throw a ball with her outside, like can- it's like a beanbag game. And he's like, no, thank you. No, thank you. And they kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And he just, no, thank you. And he has zero. Interest. <laughs> we'll protest till the ends of the earth doing anything that is not what he wants to be doing.
0: <laughs> so it sounds like a general child. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he won't even try. Like some kiddos would try with bribery. Like he won't even try. He's like, nope.
0: what about sensory things like are there certain um, textures uh, that he will touch certain things that he won't
1: um my kid was definitely um grayson uh i I feel like there are two categories they say there are sensory seekers and sensory avoiders he's a hundred percent a sensory seeker he avoid most things he loves um sand and slime and putty though he hates platelet to me because he likes everything else that has similar textures um but he also he walks on his tiptoes and at first um the a occupational therapist told us oh his achilles is really tight from the toe walking so we need to try and flatten his feet and we did that for about six eight months um and tried to get his feet flattened and over time his achilles is not tight anymore like today his achilles is no longer tight and his ot or has um, determined it's all sensory, that he's walking on his tiptoes. He does it because it feels good in a sensory way, not because it hurts. And it used Dang. to be that we think it hurts him to flatten his feet because it stretches that Achilles that's really tight. Well, since we were working on it, we got him a trampoline, so he can flat-footed. Um, we got him flat shoes like Converse to uh, try to encourage him to do a flat foot. And he started going flat foot maybe 25% of the time, he was tiptoeing but that 25% was enough to loosen up his Achilles but now he still tiptoes because that's what he prefers and so we don't try to anymore because the OT determined it's not really a problem anymore it's just a sensory thing.
0: Wow wow so overall it sounds like you know there's so many different pieces to um, having a child with autism it's not just cut and dry Seems like it's ever-changing. My question, you know, as we as we come to a close and we wrap this up, um, what are some things that you would like people to know about autism? Maybe some stigmas that are out there that you'd like to talk about. Um, tell us, you know, what it means to you as a mother who has an autistic child. You know, what can society do? You know, what can we not do? Talk to
1: us about that. I can only think like through example to start out, um, I I was like the type of person who's having kids, but if I do, gosh, I hope they aren't autistic. Um, and to this day saying that and knowing that I have an autistic child who I love to pieces and wouldn't change from, it's sad because my lack of information on autism is what shaped how I felt about it. Um, and so just knowledge is power encourage anyone and everyone to like learn about what autism can look like for people also know that autism does not look the same for every individual like we a lot of similarities in our kiddos but there's going to be a lot of differences as well um i took an aba training to be a um, behavior therapist for a time it did not last i did not like the work but i took the training and i learned a lot about what it could look like in kiddos and Saw some of it in my kiddo and some of it that I didn't. Um, but just know every kiddo or every person is incredibly different. There are some people that, gosh, love or and would prefer to be called autistic. There are some who find being called autistic an insult. And so it's just ask questions. Um, when you have them and find out what each individual person wants, don't treat them like they're disorder, treat them like a person living with that disorder or gosh, what do you even call autism anymore? Because there's so much controversy. It being called a disorder or just a difference. Um, and everyone is different. Some people will own it and be proud to say that they are part of that community. So it's just like with anybody, um, treat them like a person. Um, and ask questions if you have them. Gosh, uh, I used to silently judge other moms in public if their kiddo was screaming in the cereal aisle. Try not to judge moms because you have no idea what they're going through. Um, Maybe that kiddo doesn't have any self-regulation skills and so it's not a mom because she didn't discipline her kid to not scream in the store. Maybe it's that kid who's having a meltdown because the aisle is way too bright and there are way too many people around. They're just overstimulated and overloaded, and it's not about the box of tricks at all. Um, there's just so much to it. Just don't judge other people. people and ask questions and learn as much as you can where you can.
0: And I would say that a lack of education and awareness about autism are probably the top reasons behind the stigma, you know, but stigma is considered one of the major problems that are experienced by parents of children with autism. Uh, Thank you so much for your time today, Jackie. It's been great talking to you and, and finding out more about the world of autism.
1: Through my eyes at least, like I said, everyone I'm glad to help and thanks for having me. Yes,
0: thank you.